0: Today on the Sound Rider show, we're talking changes to the Seattle motorcycle community, dealer traits for success and the motorcycle super mall. All that and so much more ahead on the October edition of the Sound Rider show. Stick around.
1: Support for Sound Rider and the Sound Rider show is made possible by
2: Skagit Power Sports. Check out the North Sound's largest selection of bikes from names like Yamaha, Kawasaki, KTM, and Suzuki. Located just off I-5 in Burlington, Skagit Sports also features a large selection of riding gear, apparel, and an experienced staff to help you along the way. Visit Skagit Powersports today. This is Scott McMillan from Adventure Motorsports in Monroe. Welcome to the Sound Rider Show.
3: And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, Join us for the latest episode of The Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now, here are your hosts, Tom Marin,
0: Garrick Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. It's October on The Sound Riders Show. Fall into October. Fall into October, I like that. It's the month of Halloween, and it's also a great riding month still in the Pacific Northwest. You know, we talked about it a little bit in September with the crowds going away and that sort of thing, but... You know, we get some great days in October, just got to look out for those leaves on the road, right? Make sure that you don't uh, yeah, slide out on one of those. Wet leaves. That's right.
4: Yeah.
0: But uh, in September, I know we both have been doing a little riding. Where have uh, you been out and about, Tom?
4: Uh, see, I uh, did a little ride around Bainbridge Island because uh, I'm going to work up an article about that. Great. And uh, I haven't been out there for a while. Uh, you know, it's all these islands we can ride here in Washington State, that's unlike most other states in the union
0: it know. is very unique you know and that's uh you know having to kind of get used to the uh, the ferry system one of the great things about that with your motorcycles first on uh, first off right yeah so it yeah. saves a lot of time how was uh, how was the ro- ride out on bainbridge did you hit the casino out there uh, no, no? <laughs> i don't do the
4: casino thing and I'll tell you, I can't – my digestive system can't do most casino food either. I
0: got you. Yeah, the buffet is there. And I have a the,
4: normal digestive system, which is why I can't eat that food.
0: Right. Um, but how was the writing? Was it uh, – you know, I haven't nice. been out there in a while myself.
4: Uh, it's nice, but I, I realized that my 2002 – uh silver wing needs to get new suspension oh so you went on the
0: scooter yeah great, and i great. had
4: i had a couple of uh, dips in the road and it just there's no rebound on the poor thing I there's gotcha. no compression and I, I think i just need to get those springs out of there yeah. and put, do something new so that might be a winter project for me
0: well 16 years is getting pretty tired on a uh, set of suspension like that so. yeah
4: yeah what? and then uh uh Although this is the October show, I can't actually tell you about my other island ride because I haven't gone and done it yet because we're recording it before I go. Right. But uh, my plan is I'm going to go up and ride the uh, entire length of Vancouver Island.
0: Now that's gonna be a uh that's gonna be a pretty lengthy trip right to do the whole track there,
4: yeah, I have about a twelve hundred mile route that I've got set up
0: beautiful, and you're planning on doing that in in October
4: well, no, it'll be done by the time we get to October
0: I got gotcha. okay, so yeah. coming up uh coming up here pretty fast that's so- gonna be a terrific ride, you know I don't think uh we talk about Vancouver Island as is a as a nice place to ride enough,
4: and I don't see a lot of information online about it. Yeah, I've done, I've done a lot of searching, and and I don't see a lot of ride reports and that kind of thing. And you know, maybe I'm in for just a total bust. I don't know.
0: Do you uh, do you know? Are you gonna plan on heading out to Tofino at all? Yeah, I'm gonna go to Tofino. There. I'm yeah. gonna go to
4: Port Hardy, Port Alberni, Port Alice. I'm, I'm going to all.
0: Have you ever been to Tofino? No. You know, I've been there a few times. Oh, you've been there? Yeah, I have been. I actually learned to surf there.
4: Oh.
0: Tofino is actually a world-renowned surfing destination. I do recall
4: hearing that. Yeah, Yeah.
0: and uh, particularly in the wintertime, they hold some major international surfing competitions up there. Of course, the caveat being that it is freezing cold.
4: Oh yeah, you gotta have like your six millimeter wetsuit when you go in there.
0: Even in August, you have to Mm -hmm. go full body wetsuits. And believe me, I can I can vouch for that personally. But you're gonna enjoy it out there. Well, my
4: son's a surfer, so I'm gonna tell him I'm going to Tofino.
0: Yeah, and maybe we can uh, get a picture up on the SoundRider Facebook page of you in a full body wetsuit on that uh, on your bike, right? Yeah, I'll be on the (laughs) NC
4: 700X in a full body wetsuit, (laughs) making my way down the pier and and not dropping the throttle. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's going to be a great trip, though, man. I'm looking forward to uh, to that ride report and reading about that when you get back. Yeah.
4: So uh, let's see. Oh, okay. So uh, in light of a, an iconic uh, Northwest motorcycle dealer going out of business, we are going to uh, talk a little bit on the show later about uh, the virtues that maybe owners should have when they buy or own a motorcycle yeah. shop. Yeah. Um, but you know, I got, it got me thinking, um, we need, we need to take all these little small motorcycle businesses on Aurora Avenue and just put them all in one big super mall.
0: Yeah. I think,
4: I think these guys all need to partner together and get a really nice big space.
0: It's, it's an interesting concept because up here for those people outside of the area, Aurora Highway 99 has sort of classically been, a little bit of mechanics alley, right? You've got your your upholstery shops, your mechanics for cars and trucks, you've got your motorcycle shops, and now the demographics are changing quite drastically up and down that stretch of highway here.
4: Yeah, well, and what? what I, one reliable source told me that uh, the city of Seattle will not allow anybody to open a new auto or garage-style shop. So I guess we're going to have to go to Shoreline or something, but, you know, we can't get that Sears building, but get something big (laughs) and make a super mall and move Seattle Cycle Center in there, move Valentine Motor Works in there, give them a couple extra bays so they can hire more people. They need that. Right. Uh, We'll take the, uh, the OEMs for Moto Guzzi and Aprilia and put them in there. Um, maybe, uh, maybe Seattle used bikes wants to go in and just get a really large space and, and make a super mall.
0: Yeah. You know, that would be very interesting to see some of these, uh, businesses come together and give sort of a venue to, to celebrate the sport of motorcycling. Um, how do you think the reception would be to something like that? I mean, you think that people would really dig it?
4: I think they would. Yeah. And especially if all these guys, you know, were the passionate guys that they are all working together as partners in a larger location. I think that'd be awesome.
0: And do you think that they could carve out maybe, I don't know, an 8x8 eight eight studio for us with a nice little front-facing hey, window? Hey, now you're talking. People could come up and sit by the uh, the window there and listen to our dulcet tones on the Soundwriter show here. Yeah,
4: I don't right. know. I kind of <laughs> like my view out the dining room here though. Oh,
0: well, that's true, yeah. It's not too bad <laughs> here, for sure. Hey, don't you know, speaking Get a pretty good view is actually i uh did a little riding um out east here oh that's right You yeah. tell me about that on the uh the snoqualmie river there's a couple of forks just out on i-90 you've got the north fork the middle fork and the lower fork mm-hmm. and there's all on all those stretches there's a short dirt road associated with each one so i did a little exploring down up and down each three of the forks i call it the snoqualmie trident yeah yeah
4: and we're going to run that in the October issue.
0: Are we going to come bring that out in October? I think so. Okay, right on, yeah. We're going to
4: run your article, and then we'll have... By the time people hear this show, uh, the stuff will be coming online. Uh, Andy Cherney did a really nice article on covered bridges. So oh, we're going fantastic. To have that. And then you're going to be the dual sport ride for the
0: month. That's great.
4: And the nice thing about your ride is, it's it, you know for a lot of people who live in the Seattle metro area, uh, it's close to home. It's right. a good way to get your feet wet, <laughs> Literally. (laughs) And you don't have to go too far. You don't have to go over a pass to get to it. And uh, if you're a new dual sport rider, that's a pretty good little
0: route, isn't it? Particularly, I think, if you're new or if you've got some friends uh, who are looking to maybe make that transition to dirt riding. You know, there's short roads. There's a couple. You know, the shortest one is just six or seven miles with a little spur. Yeah. And then uh, well, the, one
4: of them, what is it, 11 miles on uh, the, uh, is it 11 miles in on the North Fork Road?
0: So the North Fork's actually about uh, 20 miles of dirt. Each way. Each way. Yeah. Okay. So if you're looking to do like a little afternoon ride to break somebody in, I think that's a good little choice. You know, you get some nice views uh, kind of along the way, just in sort of the shadow of, I think it's Mount Sai out there, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, just get you a little experience of some loose gravel and a few places where you need to hop up on the pegs real quick. And I think it's just a good, good afternoon ride. And plus, when we talk about riding in fall, you're close to town. So you can go back, have a hot lunch, get a cup of coffee. It's It's a nice day.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's places to eat around there for sure.
0: That's right. But, you know, if you're going to be out uh, doing some riding, of course, we always encourage people to have motorcycle insurance. And I know you've had uh, a little bit of an interesting tale recently with not necessarily your motorcycle insurance, but your car insurance.
4: Yeah, so I, I, but I did this. I, I, I went ahead and I got into the uh, progressive snapshot program. This is where they put a nanny device in your car and they know everywhere you go and they know every time you break and they know how hard you break
0: So is this actually Fran Drescher in the back seat or is this different? Yeah, yeah no, this is flow sitting okay. in the back of your car. <laughs> An old sitcom reference there for those yeah. who didn't catch that. Yeah
4: and um and then you can watch online and see how you're performing
0: so what uh like what are some of the key indicators they're looking for
4: uh they're looking to see uh what's going on with your braking i don't brake very much
0: right because you drive a manual
4: well yeah and so i use a lot of compression when i when i drive which i learned how to do from motorcycling which saves me tons of money in brake jobs
0: that's that's very true. same Instead thing on a uh, brake right? job
4: every thirty thousand on the car, I do it about every hundred and thirty thousand.
0: You know, I find a great way also to save on brake jobs is to only drive uphill. If you can figure that out,
4: yeah, right? that's why you that's why you never seem to get anywhere that you're supposed to go. I get a horrible gas
0: mileage, but I tell you, my brakes they last forever. But well, what's your experience been though? Because that this is this is kind of an interesting concept. So
4: I had it, and they they say they'll tell you when it's time to send it back. So they didn't – they never told me when it was time to send it back for a long time. I had it for about eight months. I got you. And then I got my, um, my policy renewal, and it had only gone up like 10 bucks. And it did say on the website that I might expect to see an increase in my policy because I had some short stops – Okay. Which is like impossible. You can't drive around Seattle without somebody doing something stupid in front of you, and you have to do a quick stop.
0: Yeah, or a pothole, right? Where you got to slow yeah, down. Well, yeah, they, uh,
4: yeah, Or yeah, try to swerve it or whatever. Right. So, uh, or like if I pull the car off uh, off road, and then I would brake off road, it would it would it would you know lock up the ABS, and it would send a message to Progressive and tell them I just locked up the brakes. Man. That, you know it's a bunch of baloney yeah so i got my renewal and that was okay i didn't mind 10 bucks and then uh i got a notice the other day from they told me that the next time i get a, re- a renewal it'll be even it'll be 10 percent higher than it is right now so um this is uh, i i did this as a lesson to all the soundwriter readers and you can all thank me later for <laughs> this but i'm telling you don't do yeah. those programs because they're 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 gonna they, they, even if you're a great driver or a great rider, uh, this may very well end up jacking up your rate rather than doing you any benefit. Particularly if you live in a metro area.
0: And I mean, really, what is the what's the potential upside? I mean, we are talking about if you're perfect, like saving six, seven bucks a month. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, Would, the, you know what I mean.
4: Yeah, and then and then also, like, what if you have like a perfect driving record? Like, I have nothing on my driving record for. I don't I don't know, five or ten years, right. right? And then I'm still getting messed with on my rate because yeah. of, of whatever their telemetrics are. Yeah. And it just, it's just not right. I know? don't
0: like it. And, you know, I feel like it's a little bit too um, – we talk about – or you see studies every once in a while with like red light cameras and that kind of stuff causing more accidents because people are paying attention to the red light camera.
4: Oh, yeah. And they're
0: trying to adjust their driving accordingly rather than watching the road in front of them. I kind of wonder if there's not maybe a little bit of that syndrome with something like this too, where you need the quick stop, but your brain kind of goes, "Wait, that's going to cost me."
4: Yeah, exactly. Ten percent increase. Exactly. You know? And I wonder if if this isn't grounds for a class action lawsuit at yeah. some
0: point. So uh, we'll see, man. But anyway, we'll
4: see. but anyway, so long, Flo. Because yeah. if you do raise me up on the next installment six months from now, I, I'm going to the lizard. Right. That's, that's just the way it is. And, and he, the lizards already quoting me less than I'm paying with Flow.
0: Well, so. it seems like an easy choice. Uh, just one last note on this: Have you heard anything like this for motorcycles? I haven't. Okay. I,
4: you know, you need to have the computer input. You need to have the the port. I got gotcha. you. So I, and a lot of bikes don't have that.
0: So plugging into my DR's abacus probably wouldn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The data that Your they were DR's looking for, abacus. Right. Yeah well uh that's 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 very interesting stuff, but you know also interesting are the upcoming two thousand and nineteen soundwriter events, which you know we're listening in two thousand and eighteen, but planning starts now
4: that's right. right. I know people want to uh block out dates in their calendars they need to tell their employers what their uh, vacation time is going to be for twenty nineteen so um here are the 2019 dates. Uh, May 13 through 17 is going to be the road trip tour. Uh, we believe, unless my recon is a total bust, right. that this year we will be riding Vancouver Island.
0: Oh, fantastic. So that ties together nicely. There. That's great. What a way to kick off the season, huh? Uh,
4: yeah, I All think right. it'll still be cold up there. Yeah, but but it'll be sunny. I know for yeah, sure it'll man, be sunny when we actually run the tour. Yeah. So. You
0: just get your your heated gloves and your your weather weatherproof gear, and you'll be all right.
4: <laughs> uh, let's see, the Sasquatch tour for 2019 is going to be July 22 through 26. And it is going to uh, be of its own route, nobody else's. No BDR going on here, any of that. Uh, this is going to be a a tour through Idaho. Nice. Uh, we did a tour maybe I don't know six seven years ago called the Idaho Bucket List. So we're gonna somewhat reverse that, and then we're gonna kind of redo some of the routing. And uh, you're going to do, be doing some cool stuff.
0: That's beautiful, so man. it'll I,
4: be I, the Magruder Corridor. It'll be the Lolo Highway. I, it'll be uh, uh, Railroad Ridge, uh, which is something that basically you don't do it now. You're never going to get to do it because they're going to shut the road down. How so.
0: gorgeous is Idaho? Uh,
4: a little bit of Hell's Canyon in there that's maybe.
0: Awesome. So, Touch them all. And that's the end of July. End of July. Nice. Five-day tour. Nice.
4: Uh, you don't go to the whole state. You don't need to. No, you it, see you know, sections. All the views of it. is where we're going. Right. So. Uh, let's see what. Else. Okay, uh, August twenty one through twenty five will be the rally in the gorge. We'll be back in Hood River.
0: Always look forward to it.
4: And uh, looking forward to having folks come and join us again. Bring all your friends.
0: Man, what a success again this year too. You know, in two thousand and eighteen, it was so much fun. So many great people.
4: It was a good event. It was yeah, a good time for a lot it of was. people. I uh, got the feedback, and you know it's not not really that negative.
0: That's great, so, <laughs> yeah.
4: And I think after seventeen years, if it if it is negative, we're really doing something wrong. Right, yeah.
0: Right. I think uh, standing the test of time is is a great testament there.
4: Well, we got a good location. We put on a good show. Yeah. Everybody has a good time, and looking forward to doing it again in August, yeah. twenty one through twenty five. Uh, as always, from March through September, we will be doing the Café to Café Grand Tour. Right. And you'll get a list of 15 cafés. got to go uh, visit each one of them, take your picture there. Uh, we will be, let's see, by the time this show airs, we will have wrapped up the 2018. And uh, for 2018, we're doing something a little different. We usually do the awards over at Café Cafe Veloce. Right. Uh, this year, we're going to do a winner's dinner. At the publisher's home.
0: Oh, nice. So, and you will be cooking, I assume.
4: I will be cooking. Look at that. So if you don't like my cooking, don't come collect your money. Right.
0: <laughs> well, good stuff, man. It's going to be an exciting 2019.
4: Yeah. So uh, that's kind of a wrap on our intro
1: here. Yeah. And uh, we'll take a little break. When we come back, we've got some news bites. Support for Soundwriter and The Soundwriter Show is made possible by...
2: Adventure Motorsports, Stomach County's largest selection of Yamaha and Suzuki motorcycles, ATVs, quads, and UTVs are available in Monroe at Adventure Motorsports. Celebrating a decade of top-rated sales, service, parts, and accessory support, hit the road and visit Adventure Motorsports today. Hey, I'm Don Hutchins. I'm the editor
3: of the Washington State BMW Riders newsletter, The Shaft. I live in Kingston.
4: My favorite ride is the Tahuya Peninsula on my K1600. With my sweetie on the back.
3: Hey, this is the room from Motocorsa What's Up? You're listening to the Sound Rider Show. The only show that I listen to when I want to talk about motorcycles.
0: studio on the sound rider show and you know for october we've got some pretty interesting news bites coming up in this segment it's always uh nice to see some activity but it's a little up and down this month don't you think yeah yeah
4: you know uh uh every day in the motorcycle industry can't be on any sunday
0: that's true (laughs)
4: sometimes there's bad news you know we we put that post up uh a while back about the tariffs and all that and people were complaining that sound writers should get out of politics right. and all this stuff and it's like you know we're 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 news we report news sure and when it affects our readers and our writers and we uh you know good or bad we got to report it so uh, sadly to say we uh, have lost a iconic northwest dealership Moto International closed its doors on September 29th.
0: Man, what a bummer! Such an, and you're right. Iconic is the word there. That was such a. Uh, it was
4: an icon. For it sure. really
0: was such a fixture of the Seattle motorcycle scene. Really sorry to hear that they're going to be closing their doors.
4: I read through a lot of different social media pages, and what became clear to me is that people seem to think that Dave Richardson still works there. Right, uh, and he doesn't. He retired a year ago. For those of you who hadn't. Didn't know that. Sure, he uh, he retired a year ago. Uh, it had one owner. Uh, most of the guys that people remember that they relate to that were at Moto International. They didn't work there this whole last year. Uh, no, no, Misha, no Jason. Aaron had left a long time ago. Right. So uh, uh, it's you know, and it's sad. We don't like to see something like this go out, but I just want to make it clear that the guys that most people relate to about being that dealership are not the guys who were in the
2: <clears throat>
0: right in there working. Well, David retired, and David joined us on the show I think twice here, mm-hmm. and was uh, also himself a fixture of the Seattle motorcycle scene. What do you think? Um, where d- does Moto Guzzi does it land another OEM stamp at another dealership in Seattle, or do you think the Super Mall? Yeah,
4: right. <laughs> Put it in the Super Mall with yeah. all the other little Euro the fixture brands. there.
0: I mean, do you think though another dealership uh, scoops that up? Or well, is it we can only up?
4: speculate. Yeah. And possibly by the time the show runs, there may already That's be true. Another, uh, yeah, you know, you could you might see it at uh, Northwest Moto Store. You might see it over at the Noble Rush. I right. don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I know that there's nobody who really has uh, the floor space available right here in the city of Seattle in that's their tricky. current configurations yep. to actually properly put the lines in, both the Proya and Moto Guzzi. Um So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. You
0: know, I'm uh, I'm such a big fan of Moto Gutsies that I hope that it lands somewhere because that's just one of those things. I really feel like that. The well, they're Seattle beautiful
4: to look at, but we need to sell more.
0: Yes, well, that's the that's the ultimate. I, that's could be said for a lot of different motorcycles, and we'll talk about true. another one of those coming up here pretty quick.
4: And you know who can help you sell motorcycles? Who's that? I can. <laughs> Soundwriter <laughs> Sound can help Rider, dealers yeah. sell motorcycles.
0: No, very true. We definitely. have for years. Yeah, but uh, I hope it lands somewhere, and I wish the uh, you know the owners the best of luck, and hopefully, um, you know, hopefully things work out in regards to the Moto Guzzi brand here in Seattle.
4: And the Aprilia brand.
0: And the Aprilia brand. That's right.
4: Uh, let's see. Okay, this was a crazy one. The BC man that located his stolen motorcycle using social media. Yeah. We have a link to that on our Facebook page.
0: So give, give us the rundown of that story a little bit because you were pretty familiar with this. So
4: the guy's bike got stolen. He had a video of the thieves. So he put it up on Facebook and got a number of people who told them that they knew Uh, who these guys were and where they were and so he uh got a couple of his buddies and they went over and uh, asked for the bike back right and uh, the police weren't really too thrilled about that
0: i feel like uh you know if we could get the right script writer tom cruise could do this as like a 90 minute movie right Burned through about $80 million on the budget. Yeah, but then I think
4: it's Rocky is the guy who stole the bike, and so you got to go up against Rocky.
0: I got you. Yeah. Well, you know, Tom Cruise, though, is a motorcycle guy, so he was just the, <laughs> the first one to come to mind. So, uh, yeah, if your bike ever gets stolen, you you probably, for your safety's sake, you probably
4: don't want to go this route, but it was uh, a Vigilante little interesting.
0: I, I love to see it. Like I understand, obviously, the component, uh, the view from law enforcement there, but it's just nice when justice comes full circle like that. I love it. Yeah. Um,
4: oh, and they were streaming the, the, the picking up of the bike live. Yeah, the so confrontation, if there was a problem, right? that was going to be evident so, immediately. So
0: the guy got his buddies together, and they went, and then facebook live the stream yeah. of the actual confrontation.
4: For Told the, them, we're, the we're, <laughs> we're recording live right now. I want my bike back.
0: That's how you do it. Oh, uh, fantastic! If you times. live in BC, but uh, you know, I didn't check specifically, but I'm pretty sure the bike that was stolen was not a MODIS, and that's going to be even tougher. Uh, to it's going to be tough to steal a, sh- a Modus <laughs> now. Yeah, coming across that, they they're are, shutting
4: down. They officially announced they are shutting down their operations. So uh, now we had two shops here in the Pacific Northwest. We had the Noble Russian Redmond, and we had the Noble Russian Auburn that right. were stocking products. So. Um, maybe you want to go get one before uh, these are museum pieces immediately anyways they you know? are yeah and uh, i'm sure that if they have any left uh, you're not getting them for list price you're gonna, you have to pay more
0: we should uh, write down our predictions for a year from now for over under prices of what on the used market a Modus is what going to go for
4: oh yeah right yeah, if you could even find one, huh? Yeah,
0: I, I mean, because it's got to go up at least twenty percent, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, it's from like thirty thousand to uh, what's well, thirty six thousand. I mean, more maybe, I right? would say
4: it was mostly collectors that owned them in the first place. So they, were...
0: you know, it, it stinks <clears> to see them go away because they were really devoted to the craft. Yeah, but a thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar motorcycle is just not practical for most people.
4: Hmm. Yeah. And to keep it going and you know, motor development every four or five years, right. that kind of stuff. So yeah, didn't work out. No. Uh, another one that didn't work out was the marriage between Harley-Davidson and Alta, the electric motorcycle company. Uh, they have parted ways, so Alta is back on its own again.
0: Now, what do you think of this move?
4: Um, I don't know, you know, did, did Harley just go in and get all the technology and then walk away or what? I don't know. It's
0: tough to say. I feel like, um, I feel like this is going to be, is going to work out okay for both companies. Because I don't think, I don't think Harley can, can forecast on that horizon long enough right now. I feel like they have to kind of get their wheels spinning a little bit faster well, in the next they, decade. Well, yeah, and
4: they say they're going to pop their electric bike. In twenty nineteen right, so now they don't have that connection with Alta, and Alta had some pretty good has some pretty good technology definitely, going
0: on. yeah, but I feel like you know f- for harley Davidson that they've got they've got to figure something out in the short term here to really get things revved up, and I just don't think we're going to see mass adoption of electric motorcycles. I think that's going to be a few years still, no, you know, no. I mean, it's that battery capacity is what it all comes down to, Yeah, right? that's what it
4: comes down to, yeah. and every time they tell you that it's got a you know, six-hour run time and it only gives you three, right. and that's got to stop. Where's you know?
0: when's uh, Remind me, when's Elon Musk coming on the uh, podcast here so we can <laughs> talk to him about that?
4: Well, here's a news bite for you. You know, this guy, Jack, uh, I believe you say Rippey, um, from... Uh, He writes a column every month in the BMW owner's Yeah, of course. He's got uh, two books that he just released, and I was on the phone with him today, and we should have him on the November podcast.
0: Well, that's very exciting. That'd be fun. Jack's been uh, writing for for decades with uh, uh, various publications, right? Yeah, Yeah.
4: and I told him none of that battered baby seal stuff. (laughs) If you read his column, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, that should be a fun interview. So uh, he yeah. does have a thick uh, East Coast accent, so you'll be listening to that when he comes on.
0: Oh, I'm looking forward to it.
4: Uh, see, Cycle Gear has opened a location in downtown Seattle on Queen Anne.
0: Pretty crazy, right? Pretty
4: crazy. Yeah,
0: a uh, a very interesting move. It kind of makes you wonder what uh, they see as their strategy moving forward coming into such an urban location like that
4: yeah i think they want to get all the scooter business but i don't really know how much there is you know when you and i did that analysis of how many people are actually riding motorcycles and commuting on them it's, yeah. it's not a big number so that's
0: true but you know i will say for me that uh it is a very convenient location um to be able to go up there and pick up odds and ends and that kind of thing and it's a, it's a beautiful shop down there we just have to see if they can sustain it because real estate prices are not. I exactly know. Cheap. That's the other thing I yeah. was thinking.
4: Don't, don't tell me they got a five or a ten year lease because that building is is on the gentrification list yeah. for
0: sure. How cool would it be though if they built apartments on top of that and you just had a motorcycle superstore? But you'd
4: have to take that whole hey motorcycle right? superstore. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I need it. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. that building has to come down if you're going to build apartments there.
0: Well, I'm saying if they built it right on top of it, so you could just come down your elevator and cycle gear would be the lobby.
4: Yeah, right? take the QFC out and put the cycle gear in there.
0: Yeah, move it next door, right, yeah. or down the street anyway. <laughs> but, uh, you know, interesting just to see how the Seattle scene is developing and continuing to change.
4: Yeah, different every every day almost. It
0: certainly is.
4: Uh, and speaking of different every day, uh, one of our... Good friends in the industry here. Uh, Robert, who used to work over at Seattle Cycle Center and uh, later appeared at Northwest Moto, has moved to California.
0: That's the report. Yeah, you're right. Robert was a, uh, a great asset to the scene here in Seattle, and no word on exactly what he'll be doing in California, but I'm sure he'll be on two wheels.
4: Maybe he's going to get a, a bunch of funding and come back and open
0: up the Super Mall. Yeah. <laughs> Moto Super Mall. I like the way that sounds.
4: A <laughs> couple of new bikes on the way that I'm interested in seeing when they uh, appear, or maybe I'll see him, see him this month when I'm in Las Vegas at the show.
0: Oh, that's right. The uh, the AIM Expo is coming yeah, up. Yeah, I Totally forgot. Yeah. Uh,
4: 2019 Can-Am Riker. This is uh, a baby can am with an introductory price of what is it 8 grand you know What's i'm not grand? sure i
0: haven't seen too much on this but that would be a significant departure from the normal 20,000 plus
4: <laughs> yeah, right yeah, exactly so, uh, and they're going to have a 600 cc model, and then I think you're going to have to pay a little more than eight grand if you want to get the 900 cc model.
0: Well, I like the idea of this being able to extend people's riding career at a reasonable price, right? Because a lot of people start to look as they get a little bit older and to go into trikes. And yeah. uh, For eight grand, you know, if you trade in your GS 1200 with uh, you know 80,000 miles on it, you might be able to squeeze about eight grand or so out of that and get yourself a, a new Can-Am Riker.
4: Yeah, right. and uh, another new bike on the way. I have no idea where we're going to see this in Seattle yet, right. but uh, Moto Guzzi has a V85 Adventure bike.
0: Now, what did you think of this? Because I love this bike.
4: Well, I think it looks like, uh, honestly, if you painted it white, I think it looks like right. the Royal Enfield.
0: There are some similarities yeah. to the Himalayan it's and... that the-
4: kind of coffin tank on it.
0: It does well. It's very it's enduro styled, right? They're calling this kind of a throwback, actually, to their enduro days. Mm, okay. So it's supposed to be a little bit of a reflection of that.
4: What's that Royal Enfield model on top of The about? Himalayan. The Himalayan. Yeah, that's the right, new yeah.
0: adventure bike. There. This one, I have a feeling, will be a little bit more than forty five hundred bucks out the gate. But uh, I love it, man. It's going to have a nice eight hundred and fifty cc V twin motor. Um, all indications are that it's going to be relatively light, although we haven't seen the official <laughs> specs.
4: Uh, well, I'll bet you they can't get it under 500 pounds.
0: Ah, you don't think so, huh? I
4: don't think with a V-twin motor like that.
0: Should we set a? Uh, we should set an over-under? Because I think I'd take the under on that. Maybe not by a much, but I, think, uh, I don't think 450 pounds would be out of the question. I
4: think if you bagged it up, it's going to make a really nice road burner.
0: It is definitely going to do that. Yeah. yeah. No, there's no question I think it's going to be a smooth road burner, but the question will be how much of a enduro quote unquote air quotes for everybody listening here is it going to be able to do right how much is it going to be able to handle on the dirt yeah I'd love to see the. I, it though. I mean, the styling's great, and if they can come through and they can and they can make it, you know, maybe four hundred fifty, four hundred seventy-five pounds, it'll be a, a very interesting. I motorcycle.
4: think you should put one in Baja in December, and we'll see how it goes. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, early. You in- could do all the modifications, and I'll ride it. <laughs> all right. Or no, vice versa.
0: There we go.
4: Um, now the bike. I don't have it on a list here, but sure. uh, that new uh, MT09 Tracer from yamaha yeah this is That's pretty a nice looking sport
0: touring bike
4: i'm looking forward to seeing that in the flesh
0: yeah what do you think the uh, retail msrp is going to be on the tracer
4: i uh, don't know but yeah. i'm gonna guess maybe 11
0: okay oh, you think that low well
4: it's a 900 cc motor in okay there. it's gonna, I, gonna
0: go up much higher
4: but it's got you know it's got the built-in luggage and uh it's got a really good
0: styling it looks like a great motorcycle yeah yeah so if you can't get the nikon you can uh you can get this the tracer, right? Yeah,
4: you could buy you could buy two tracers or one Nikon, one or the other, right?
0: Uh, let's see.
4: Uh, mentioned earlier that Andy's going to have a covered bridges piece, so I don't really need to talk about that again. Um, Champion Cycle of Bellingham, longtime dealership, going out of business. Uh, had their going out of business sale on September twenty second. I don't know how long the doors will stay open from there on, but uh, another one bites the dust.
0: Yeah, bummer to hear another one closing its doors here. But, uh, you know, hopefully we can find somebody to come in and fill that space.
4: All right, it's time to clean up the dead soldiers, and we'll be right back with the calendar.
2: Support for the
1: Soundwriters Show is provided in part by Cascade Motorcycle Safety, featuring two ranges located in Anacortes and Bellingham, Cascade Motorcycle Safety offers beginner and intermediate rider courses and is certified to test riders for their motorcycle endorsement. For more information, visit their website at Cascade Motorcycle Safety today.
4: Hey, I'm Gordon from West Seattle, and uh, one of my favorite recent rides was the Rubin Run down in Oregon.
3: Hi, this is Mark from Valentine Motorworks, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show.
4: We are back on the Soundwriter Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher. I'm here with Derek Roberts, the everything else kind of guy. That's right. And uh, we got a calendar of events for October. Pick one or two and make sure you hit them. Uh, we're always here to give you excuses to get out and ride your motorcycle, and we've got a few good ones here. Uh, kicking off on uh, Wednesday the third, got Old Bike Night down in Georgetown. So, uh,
0: a fixture just south of downtown Seattle here, right? And that's, uh, how long has this been going ever since at least we've started the like show? Like 30 years. Yeah, I know. We've been- oh, way before well, we started Well, right, the but show. I mean, it seems like consistently every month they've always got something going on.
4: Oh, yeah. Every They started this up in, uh, as I recall, the Roosevelt neighborhood, but it could have been somewhere else before that. And gotcha. they did it up there until maybe 2000, and they moved it down to
0: various locations in Georgetown. So here's a question for you before we move on to the next one. At what year now do you consider an old motorcycle? Well— that's always
4: uh, a trick question well, for people. But well, I'm saying um, for you personally. We consider anything 30 years, 25 years or older, we consider to be vintage right. at Soundrider. The state of Washington considers anything to be a collectible bike at 30 years. Okay. And some of the stuffy guys say that if you have disc brakes, uh, it's not an old bike. But there's so many bikes that are from the seventies now, even
0: right. just brakes. Yeah.
4: That that's not an old bike? I don't know, you know?
0: I feel like I would refer to something me personally as an old bike if it were older than a two thousand. I'd say, Hey, I got my old motorcycle.
4: Well, that would be that would only be eighteen years. Yeah. So, so you're 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 the you're you're coming up with the shortest time. Well, screen. it's more than half my life. Well, well, maybe when you're 60, then you'll you'll get to the
0: 30 point. I Uh, gotcha, yeah. Gotcha.
4: Uh, Some of these are just sort of always on our calendar, but I I put them in because there's not a whole lot to do unless you go do these. Right. Um, Saturday, October 6th is uh, the Ride and Feed at Crane Corner. Uh, This is put on by the Moto Guzzi Group. And what's going to happen to that group, all 107 of them? It'll be interesting
0: know. to see how it changes. But uh, as, as all indications are, on the 6th, you can still go out there and uh, join them at the Riding Feed Crane yeah. Corner.
4: And then on uh, Sunday the 7th, Washington State BMW Riders will host a ride that's open to anyone. You can look on their website, which you can link to from our calendar, and uh, get the location because they do it in one of, I think it's three different locations. Right. So they do a South Sound one, they do a North Sound one, maybe, I don't know, it might be a third one they use too. I don't yeah. know.
0: Soundrider.com slash calendar anyway, you can find out.
4: There you go. Uh, here's something that's not happening on Wednesday the 10th. Uh, there will be no bike nights seattle used bikes again until march so if you've been enjoying going down and hanging out with all your buddies on aurora uh during the summer just so you know uh, there is not going to be that event going on until starting up as at the earliest would be march well maybe
0: april we look forward to uh that kicking back off in the spring anyway
4: um. Okay. So you got a new bike this year, and you got all these old parts from your old bike around that you haven't gotten rid of yet. Sunday, Oct- uh, October fourteenth, Oregon A Bait will be having a swap meet
0: in Oregon, of all places, down in Oak Grove, Oregon. Oak Grove, yeah. Oregon.
4: That's right along I five.
0: Yeah, that's pretty close, right? Yeah. Yeah, not too far off of there. But yeah. it's, you know, this is that and there's time. there's
4: some nice roads off of there.
0: Well, this is the good time of year, too, to kind of get your parts inventory in check. Because if you're going to be doing some winter projects, you want to have that stuff ready to go.
4: Yeah, true. True. Uh, if you're not going to go to Oregon on Sunday the 14th, the Cowbell Enduro is going to be going on up at the uh, Hannigan Motor Speedway up in Skagit County. And that is uh, one of the oldest Enduros on record in the state of Washington. So you can go up and get in on a little bit of history when you go to that
0: one. Yeah, and of course you'll be able to see Tom and I on our V85 Moto Guzzi. Uh, Yeah. (laughs)
4: No, my vintage
0: V85. Uh, Okay, yeah, throwback. The one with the drum brakes. All right, we'll wait for the new one to come out. I think in 2020 (laughs) is the earliest prediction there. Uh, One event
4: that will continue on through the winter in its new home, is the Backfire Moto Night, which will happen in October on Wednesday the 17th uh, at their usual location, the Soto area there, at the shop.
0: Glad to see those guys powering through the wintertime. That's great. They've been that's such a nice addition to the motorcycle scene over the yeah, last couple of years. because
4: they had been taking winters off, but now that they've got the shop as a home, they can, they can kind of move everything indoors. Yeah, a little indoor space, right, yeah. So... Uh, let's see. Sunday, ten twenty-one is the Lady Riders meet and greet. You can get more information again by linking off of our calendar page and uh, find out about what the, more about what that's about. If you're a lady, if you're not a lady, um, you gotta gotta do something manly, I guess. Right. I don't know. <laughs> um, and by the way, it is fall, and uh, we're gonna start. Collecting all the events for 2019 and building up that calendar. So, uh, I just want to invite all our readers and writers uh, to post your events on the Soundwriter calendar. And uh, don't be bashful to ask a dealer that's appropriate for you to also post your events up on their calendar. Right. Because they need some events on our calendar
0: right now well and fostering that community is such a, an important thing and i think that's something that we're going to delve into a little bit in our next segment right we
4: are going to take a break and when we come back we're going to talk about the things that make
2: dealers great we'll be right back support for soundrider and the Soundwriter
1: show is made possible by
2: moon motorcycles a family-run operation located in isquah washington Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from. Whether you're shopping for a used sport bike, cruiser, dual sport, sport touring, or street standard, you owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today.
4: Hello, my name is Jack. I'm from Marysville. One of my favorite roads to ride on the state of Washington is the Canyon Road that goes from Sela, Washington to Ellensburg. And the best time to ride it is generally after six o'clock on a uh, weekday, because there's no state patrol. Thanks.
2: Hello, this is Bob Owen from the Sound Rider Crew. The Northwest is indeed a great place to ride a motorcycle both on the pavement and off. But right now you're listening to the Sound Rider Show.
0: Back into the Sound Rider Show. And we're talking a little bit about uh, innovation, motorcycle ideas. And I know you've got a whole list and a lot of things on your mind, Tom. So why don't you kick us off here and let us know where you're going?
4: So, with the uh, recent loss of the Northwest Motorcycle iconic dealership we spoke about earlier, it got me thinking about what are the aspects, what are the virtues that a uh, uh, owner. That a shop needs to have to really um, make it a good experience for the customer and stay in
0: business. Succeed. Succeed. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, this is – we've done – over the last couple of years, the industry has just been doing a lot of hand-wringing about – how do we get the next generation how do we improve how do we grow sales so this is something that affects everybody who rides a motorcycle
4: yeah, yeah. and and uh, as uh, as the author business author John Brooks once said it's time for a good airing so we're going to air some of this out right now you know we have dealers who will say well amazon's putting me out of business that's that that's kind of baloney we'll we'll talk a little bit about why that is sure um, I, I do want to also just say once again every day cannot be on any Sunday and uh, there may be people who don't want to hear this segment of the show but I think it's important and I think that uh, particularly if you own a motorcycle shop listen to what we have to say because we're on the outside looking in. Right. Well, We're not in your shop. We're not a consultant to your shop. And we just want you to hear what we're seeing as professionals on the outside.
0: It's a little bit of that Venn diagram, right, where the circles overlap because we're consumers, we're media people, we're in the industry, we're out of the industry, we participate in it, but uh, we're not shop owners, like you say. So let's kick it off. Let's see what you got.
4: All right. So we got 10 virtues that uh, you either got it or you ain't got it. If you ain't got it, get it. Uh, First one is, you, you know... The best dealers that I've ever worked with all had a passion for the sport. Yeah. And, and it really, it was kind of always like that for a long time until we started getting, like, the car networks coming in and buying up dealerships and installing bean counters. People who didn't even ride motorcycles were working at dealerships, and they had no passion for the sport. Sure, And uh, a lot of times, those shops came and went. All of a sudden, the car dealer company came in bought a shop didn't make a lot of money and closed it up right sad when that happens but uh the rest of them many of them are still kicking today so uh that's-
0: well, you know i feel like there's a little bit um maybe a, a an analogy in sort of restaurants as well too right you always need at least one person who loves food just the pleasure of food right
4: yeah, and and it's crazy enough to even think they might be successful at running a restaurant.
0: It's a very challenging business. <laughs> That's but, tougher than the motorcycle industry. But there's a lot of stories where people, you know, restaurants are bought by people who think it would be fun to own a restaurant, and they just go and they start cutting food costs and that kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And it
0: becomes a real challenge as opposed to if there's somebody involved, deeply involved, that really loves the food they can sort of protect the identity of the brand and the restaurant and also share that with the consumers.
4: Yep, but they got to have some of the other virtues we're going to talk about.
0: Let's go to number 2.
4: All uh, right, number 2, they got to go to work. You know, you can't buy an inv- you can't make an investment in a motorcycle shop if you're not going to go to work and be there. Now, there are successful motorcycle shops who have partners where two of the partners might be silent and one of them is goes to work every day. Yep. Now, I don't know of any motorcycle shop where all the partners or or the one owner never goes to work that is successful. Sure, I don't know of any right now. But if you know of any, please get on our Facebook page and tell yeah. us all about it. That and why. presence
0: is is so important. Um, you got to have
4: a general business savvy. So this is something to add on to what you said about right. the guy who's got to you know love food to, to be successful. Uh, but you got to have a, a general business savvy. Uh, it really helps if you have some, some formal business education. Definitely. Uh, if you don't have that, you know, so, so uh, you know, for for instance, there was that scooter shop that went out of business earlier this year where the owner wasn't even registering the bikes with the state. What is that? That, that can't make for a successful
0: business. That seems like a challenge, yeah.
4: So, you know, then you've got uh, shops like, uh, like South Sound Honda Suzuki Polaris. Sure, You know, you've got Dale and Vicky and Jeff working down there, and each one of them knows what they do best, and they're all three in there making that show happen in there and doing a great job at it. And they, now, that's, that's – it, it doesn't get any better. No, know? I
0: would also say they also have uh, passion and they also go to work.
4: Yes. Right. <laughs> no they they actually have many of these aspects. Yes,
0: no question about that.
4: Uh, next aspect is uh, a little marketing savvy. It doesn't hurt. Uh, frankly, most shops don't have any marketing savvy. And they just kind of think they're going to sell some motorcycles and do some service and sell a helmet here and there, and they're going to stay afloat. Well, let me tell you, if you, if you even impart just a little bit of marketing savvy, you'll be 95% ahead of your competitors because most of them aren't executing it. Uh, and it starts with your website. You know, people say, "Well, I don't really worry about my website now. I, I worry about my Facebook page right. or my Instagram or whatever." But you know, a lot of people get online. They're gonna. They want to call you. The first thing to do is they bring up your website to get your phone number, or they get your phone number off search engine. And while they're making the phone call, they're tinkering into your website. So, like if your if your website says uh, copyright twenty thirteen at the bottom, sure, and it's twenty eighteen
0: you're not putting on a good show for the customer well that's a challenge and especially as savvy as customers are in regards to that you know people are looking at things like when was the site updated what is the most recent message and if they see you know a bunch of 1986 motorcycles on your homepage, and you're not a classic motorcycle dealership uh, that's that's a struggle
4: um and you know Another part of, of marketing savvy is, you know, Instagram isn't the one thing that's going to make a home run for you. You got to work across different aspects of marketing, whether it's Facebook or it's your website or you're doing something in the store. Right. And how many dealers don't even use their email list right now? So they can't make contact with it with many of their customers because they're not
0: they're not even using that list. Yeah, you know, I feel like a little bit uh, sort of when the recession hit. That uh, not only did people, of course, marketing is always the first budget to get cut. But uh, I feel like a lot of people got trapped a little bit in marketing technologies and approaches that are also yeah. 10 years old. Yeah, well, you know?
4: and, 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 and and some of them are trapped in some of the newfangled trends like telemetrics, right? Right. Well, So they got all these people on the outside, don't even ride motorcycles, that are training them <laughs> to learn telemetrics so they can see what's going on with their Google bots and stuff. And it's like, no, 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 don't forget about your email list. Don't forget to have some events in your store. Yeah. Now and then, and to promote them across your own calendar, our calendar, uh, some clubs' calendars. You know, you there's a lot going on in marketing, and if you're just focused on one or two things, you're not going to be successful.
0: That's right. It is a very comprehensive approach, and I think that's probably one of the challenges too. Is that uh, it can be a little bit overwhelming, especially for maybe some, you know, not that age is the factor, but just for people who have been in business for twenty or thirty years and they're used to doing it a certain way.
4: Yeah, and you gotta, you know, an older shop owner needs to pass some of that on to a younger person right. in the store. Right. It doesn't mean they have to give up everything, but if they're not comfortable with doing social media, get someone in the store to do it. If they're not comfortable, if that person in the store isn't comfortable doing an email blast, find somebody who is. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, very few people do a hard mailing anymore, and I, that's understandable. It's Very expensive, and, and yeah. not all. You know, not as I think. I think the digital marketing is more effective.
0: I think now. so too. I still get the catalogs from Cycle Gear, though. Now that they're in my neighborhood.
4: <laughs> Another important aspect of being an owner of a motorcycle shop is either you are or you can get funded. If you're a new owner and you only had so much money to buy that shop, and you bought it, and now your money's gone. You're probably screwed. Right. Because you need to invest money into marketing, not just hiring people or or you know, but you've got to get your word out, you've got to get your message out to people, and you've got to make that investment. And and so you need to have additional capital on top of what you're already earning at the shop or what you invested into it to
0: buy it. Yeah, and that goes, I think, to that general business savvy sense too, a little bit, right? You have to kind of realize that the more fun a business seems like the less it can be a hobby business like you really have to have the yeah you got to do it full-time you got to have the money motorcycling being successful in motorcycling is not cheap or easy
4: and i have seen successful business people buy into motorcycle shops and they make them happen and they get the money, but you know what? They don't get the money out of their own pocket. Right. They go to the bank and they pull a loan down at the bank and they, and they use that money. And, yeah. and so they're, they're very savvy and smart that way. Uh, I've also seen where somebody leverages their entire home yeah. or any property they own. You could do it that way too. Um, but you can't just, line. you know, go sell that piece of property and invest that money, and then when it's gone, it's gone. That's you, right. That's be able to tap that. To why head. I have
0: my uh, late night infomercial where I say, "Do you want to get into the motorcycle business for no money down?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how I made my millions, and I didn't put one cent of my own money down. See, Here's how.
4: Yeah, you yeah. were the one who had the idea for sound writers. <laughs> <That's Yeah. right. laughs> All right, so another thing, speaking of sound writer, no, Um, but uh, you got to be creative. Yeah. Now, uh, if Harley-Davidson wants to know why their business is in the toilet right now, I can tell you one of the reasons why is because their dealers aren't creative. You can't let corporate tell you everything you got to do and you don't do something on your own that makes you unique. Most of the Harley-Davidson shops that I see now, I do not see anything unique going on. Per shop,
0: well, I mean, I, I agree that there is definitely some staleness there. And for me, what stands out more is actually something like the International Motorcycle Show that has been, um, you know, now they're cutting dates and that kind of thing. But I, th- I feel like they've lost some some attendees just because year after year it's been a little bit of the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's true. And I see a little bit of that. To I would say though, to Harley's credit, a little bit they have started to explore some new markets, at least at the corporate level. Doing some like monster energy yep. uh crossovers. I've seen that. And then Alta, obviously we talked about that's been severed, but they did explore the electric So if you a
4: worked bit. if you were the marketing guy at a Harley shop, you'd be coming up with some ideas on how to incorporate that into your own thing. Yes. I don't see that happening.
0: Yeah, you know that's interesting. That is interesting, yeah. Yeah.
4: And and maybe your hands are tied and you can't.
0: That's true too, right? Because, because they have the it's have a behemoth. Rules, yeah. You know? It's they a behemoth, rules, it's a machine, so. sure.
4: Uh, but you take a look at a guy like Dave Richardson, who used to own Moto International back mm-hmm. when it was successful. And Dave was very good at coming up with ways to raise. To sell some bikes at a price where he actually made money, uh, in the early two thousands and through the recession, Dave was out there buying up inventory on dealerships that had shut down, right. and he was getting it for you know pennies on the dollar. And then he'd turn and sell those bikes, and he'd make more money than he'd make if he bought a new unit from one of the you know from uh, Moto Guzzi or from Aprilia. So uh, it's what made him the top Aprilia sales spot in yeah. the usa in the early 2000s
0: and that's an excellent point on creativity too is that it's not just coming up with a new t-shirt design it's mm-hmm. creative ways to run your business as well right right yeah right mm-hmm.
4: uh there was a time when uh, cycle barn when they had a store in linwood they couldn't get enough used motorcycles out of the market up here so they'd take their top sales guide they say here's a plane ticket go to california and when you fill a, a, a container up with used bikes then you could buy the other plane ticket to come back home
3: yeah and, and so he would go down and he
4: would back. do that and they always had plenty of used bikes on yeah. the floor so you know there's just stuff that that shops can do that are creative um a little bit we'll, we'll talk about another guy here in a minute yeah uh okay here's another thing that That really sticks out in my mind because I have such a big ego. I don't want anybody else to have an ego when I go to their shop. Right. (laughs) Uh, I want somebody to be personable and and be egoless when I go in. I want that frontline owner, frontline guy, somebody I could talk to but that I get to do as much talking as they do.
0: Yeah, I think and that's, that is, for me, the ultimate expression of passion, especially for something like motorcycling. Because when you can share that with people who walk through the door or people that you talk to, that makes such a big difference. Because motorcycling, it's intimidating for a lot of new riders. You yeah. need somebody that can ease you into it, that can make you feel like it's approachable. And that starts face level, whether it's the dealer or the event that they're hosting. I agree with you totally. That makes a huge, huge impact.
4: Um. Best shops I've ever been to. Yeah. Or they created community and they supported community. So when you create community, you have events in your shop that might be a slideshow of a world traveler on his motorcycle. And you do these with frequency. Right. So that you're inspiring your, your customers and, 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 and you're, you've, you've created a place where they can come and, and live their passion for motorcycling. So, uh, you know, I used to go to Ride West. I used to do book signings there. And I would always ask people, what kind of bike do you ride? And guys say, oh, I have a Suzuki V-Strom. Well, he wasn't going over to the Suzuki shop. He was coming to Ride West. Right. What was his next bike going to be? Probably a BMW. Yeah, yeah, once you get there. That's right. So, uh, uh, I always like that. Uh, Keith and Anti did a great job of that. Uh, now we've got all these coffee places. We've yeah. got the, we've got the WIC. We've got the, uh, CC coffee down, down in Portland. Portland right? yep. Those could be community spaces. It's not just come on, you know, I don't see a Facebook post that says come and get a cup of coffee today at the WIC. I want to see, hey, the wick is having so-and-so. He's going to be there for two hours on Thursday afternoon signing his latest book, and then he's going to take off on the rest of his world, world yeah. tour or whatever. I want to see that kind of stuff going on.
0: Bike and brunch, right? I'll
4: buy a dang cup of coffee.
0: Yeah. Well, anybody, I think, you know, motorcyclists are, are loyal to a fault, right? If you're a shop yeah. that's going to promote their sport – They'll come back. That's where you know they won't go to Starbucks. They'll go out of their way to come and grab a cup of coffee. And from they it.
4: might not own one of your bikes that you sell, one right. of the brands, but they might be buying some accessories from you. They yes. might be buying, uh, you know, if you're going to do service beyond your OEMs, they might come in for service. Well, it's
0: that whole fostering the community, right? I mean, there's so much uh, competing for people's attention. You know, for their time now, you really have to. You got to get out in front of it. You have to encourage people to ride, and they will. Yeah, yeah.
4: But like I said, you know, if if you're doing a little bit of this stuff, right, you're 95 percent ahead of those shops.
0: Very true. Yeah.
4: Um, how about inspiring customers? So uh, I, I work a lot with uh, Bill Crammer up at Skagit Power Sports, and that guy is he's he is every day he's excited about riding motorcycles, and he's always coming up with. Seems like crazy ideas at first, but then they, you know, they, they work. He does, instead of doing just a track day, he does a get to know your bike day. Yeah. Which means that people who are not Feeling like they could do a track day, they can come down and learn some skills from some of the instructors that he brings in, and and eventually maybe they'll move to doing track days. At least they'll become a better rider one way or another.
0: Well, and for Skagit, how about talk about getting them young with the Strider bike? The
4: Strider bike, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And there's only two shops I know in the Pacific Northwest right. who do that event. And I thought, you know, the other day I thought, you know, Whitney from Dirt Bike uh, Dirt Safety First. Training, yeah. yeah he could come in and be a, a guest instructor at a Strider Day just to get these kids to put their heads up so they stop running into each other. <laughs> and you just teach them that one skill. It
0: goes a long way because, you know, it's just a few years before you're on a, a PW-50. Well, you're not getting a PW-50 if all you up.
4: do is crash your Strider all day. Not your parents for, aren't going to buy you not one. Not for very long, that's for but sure. But there's a connection, see? If we get them to have fun on the Strider, then we can move them to that PW-50. I agree, yeah. And uh, the last uh, thing I have on here is uh, someone who takes pride in ownership. If you own a shop and you don't take pride in that shop, that shop isn't going to last. You know, I've I've seen a shop that had graffiti on the window for a year. That shop's gone now. And that was just a reflection of that owner and how much actual pride that person had in the shop itself. Uh, you take a look at a guy like Scott McMillan at Adventure Motorsports. That guy hand-built his first location up in Monroe. That's crazy. And he was involved in every step of that. When he moved the store... He, he worked with the construction crew to put that store together. His store people were working in there, putting up – I don't know if they were putting up drywall, but they were all involved in different aspects of putting that store together. That's pride in ownership. And 100%. when you find a piece of paper on the ground, you bend over and you pick it up because that's
0: your store and you love it. And not to go back to our, our start here with a restaurant analogy, but it's like when you go into that small restaurant that has the guy's name on it and yeah. he's in the kitchen there. Yeah, you know, you notice the difference. Yeah, right, and it makes you want to go back, not just to support that guy, but because he's doing an excellent job.
4: No, and I know a guy who owns four restaurants here in the city right now. Sure, and you won't find him in the kitchen every day because he's over at another kitchen, right? But he is he is out there every day. He's usually uh, running the front of the kitchen, checking all the food as it's going out, right. And uh, yeah, that's pride and ownership, yeah. and he's going to make sure that everything is as good as it can be at every location for every customer every day, and uh,
0: he's a good guy. You don't get that at Jack in the Box. Oh, yes, you do.
4: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you get that funny guy with the jack head.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is actual. That's Jack himself, right?
4: All right. Well, um, John Brooks, we have, we have done a good airing now. But uh, definitely, this is things for owners to think about. Lots this of thing stuff. for our readers to think about as they're selecting dealers where they want to shop at.
0: I think that's a key point, too, as you start to talk about you know, what we can do as riders to encourage this type of behavior is to maybe be a little more dutiful in our approach to who we spend our money with. Yeah. And making sure that we do go visit the guys who are putting their heart and soul into the business.
4: And it doesn't matter if it's a small shop. A big shop. Right. Look at the guys over at Valentine. Those guys put their heart and soul in there. That's... And they're just a little service shop, but they're, they're, now they're doing so good because they do such a nice job of working with customers and do good quality work that they need a third person in a third bay and they don't have the room.
0: It's
2: crazy, isn't it? So they need
4: to open up the super
0: mall.
2: Super mall. <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right, let's take a little
2: break. We're going to come back with some tips and tricks. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part
1: by Seattle Cycle Center. As more and more shops discontinue sales of apparel and aftermarket gear, Seattle Cycle Center continues to provide a wide selection of everything you need for your next ride. Family owned and operated for more than 30 years, Seattle Cycle Center is your destination for helmets, jackets, pants, boots, gloves, rain gear, and much more. Visit their store on Aurora Avenue soon. Hi, this is Tracy Jeffries and I'm one of the Dirty Girls and one of the places that I love to go get dirty at is over in the Leavenworth Plain area.
2: Good
4: morning, this is Wayne Elston from South Sound Motorcycles and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show.
0: Gear and compression braking to a stop. We're of course not going to leave you without any tips and tricks here on the Soundwriter Show. And I know I've been working all month on mine. What about you, Tom? You've been uh, did you, you spent a lot of time on those ten traits for dealers. But how about on your tip and trick this month?
4: Uh, no, I just heard somebody else's podcast, so I'm stealing this from that <laughs> one.
0: Well, do you want to kick it <laughs> off, or do you want me to go first with mine? Uh, I'll kick it off. All right, what do you got for us? This
4: um. Month? The the tip this month is uh get off your bike. You know, don't stay on it for two to three hours. Um, things happen that you don't want to have happen. Right. Uh deep vein thrombosis, um, just basic, you know, you're you're getting tired, you're gonna get sleepy. Uh, you're just getting mesmerized with the road stuff like that. And you get off the bike every hour, walk around, take a drink, put some fuel in it, change the oil. Well, maybe not change the oil,
0: right? <laughs> not every hour, anyway. I don't think that'd be quite yeah, necessary. But
4: make a point of getting off that bike every hour. Or
0: yeah, taking some breaks, right, and making sure that you're enjoying the trip and not beat yeah. your body up too bad. Take pictures, yeah. of stuff.
4: You know, don't 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 go by all those great waterfalls and stuff without pulling out and taking pictures of. The mountains, the sunset, the sunrise.
0: Yeah, because your friends love to see a picture of your motorcycle in front of all these scenic spots. Every
4: yeah. every picture you take should have your motorcycle in it.
0: No, but that's good advice. You know, you <laughs> want to make sure that you do kind of stay mentally aware, especially on those longer touring days when it's hot out or cold out, as it may be. Mm-hmm. You know, really be plugged in to kind of how you're feeling and making sure that you're at optimal condition when you're out there. Because as we know, it only takes uh, you know one second to make a mistake. And that can have some lasting consequences. There's
4: a bonus tip in there. Yeah. Is uh, if it's cold out, get off that bike, take a walk, go back an eighth of a mile, come back up. Now you watch a quarter mile. I guarantee you, you've got your circulation back up again. Your body's warm.
0: Yep. Warm yourself up a little bit. Absolutely. So what do you got? Well, so I, uh, this month or last month rather, did a little chain replacement action. Mm. And I started thinking, you know what? I, in my toolkit, do not carry a spare master link, but that is going to change because you never know if you're going to be out there dual sporting and that kind of thing when you might bust a chain link, and it can be nice to have just a little spare master link that you can do a little roadside repair and get yourself to where you can get a new chain. So 5 bucks for a spare master link, that's okay. my tip. Make get sure it fits
4: the chain you have on the bike. Well, well,
0: I would recommend that. <laughs>
4: yeah, <laughs> I've never broken a chain. I don't. I've not known anyone. Back in the old days. Oh, that's right. Your bike's from the old days. My
0: bike is from the old days, as we discussed earlier. Right from the late '90s.
4: Yeah, you know what I was thinking about old bikes is exactly. like is like if you have a 1990 bike, but the technology is from 1982. Mm-hmm. It should be classified as a 1982, and you should be able to get to collector place
0: right now. I agree, 100. percent Yeah. yeah.
4: Based the collector plate age on the technology of the bike, not the actual year it was manufactured.
0: I'm sure King County will be uh, just thrilled to take that uh, take that advice. Try,
4: oh, yes, they will.
0: But yeah, you know, I, I know you're right. Chains don't break all that frequently, but uh, if you are riding in some rougher conditions and maybe you do ride a little bit of an older bike, it's kind of an easy thing to add to your toolkit, and you never know now, when it might help out. It might
4: put a chain breaker in there too cuz if you break Definitely. the chain you still got to get the other part of the link up.
0: Yeah, and don't break your chain breaker. I actually I broke mine when I, I was Stop
4: buying stuff at
0: Harbor Freight. No, this one actually I went to Harbor Freight for the replacement and that one worked. <laughs> oh, goodness. That one worked, so for now.
4: Yeah. All right. Well, that is our show for October. Thanks for hanging in here with us, and we will look forward to bringing you a show in November. And I hope we have a special guest there. I know I'm going to have a report from Las Vegas. We'll probably have a couple little interview segments with some of those guys down there from the Motorcycle Show. But uh, until then, I want you to ride safe, ride well, and ride often.
0: On the Sound Rider Show. We'll see you next month.
3: The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on The Sound Rider Show.